Hey, thank you so much for joining us online at Venue Church for another inspirational message from Pastor Corey Cope. If you were impacted by this message in any way, we would love it if you would share it with your friends online. Yeah, real boats rock. All right, how are we doing, guys? <laughs> now watch me get my head around my sermon. If not, I'll just... <laughs> for the next three hours, I'll get my head around my sermon. Oh, you guys, you think I'm joking. The kind of more of that story is people thought he was a coward because he, he, his beliefs wouldn't allow him to. Uh, my my f- father comes from the Mennonites and their beliefs, uh, they were conscientious objectors. I mean, that's, that's where he came from. And so um, wherever uh, 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 Doss came from, he was a conscientious objector. He wanted to help and he wanted to save lives, but his beliefs wouldn't allow him to take one in that sense. And so he went and he sacrificed everything. But what you don't know is that he was, you know, almost like uh, abused and, and looked down upon. But here's what I want to tell you this morning. is sometimes, sometimes in your life, you want people to take you seriously. Am I right? But sacrifice is what makes your beliefs believable. Sacrifice is what makes your beliefs believable. We have this uh, here, so we can't even see that. That's fine. That's, then, I'll, then I'll just know that even for scripture and stuff, I can, okay, we can see it a little bit. Can anybody in the back see that? Probably not. Okay. Um, but here's what's happening. Here's just in the Canadian moment that we're in. Can I just kind of dig into this a little bit? Because I'm going to confront something here that I think needs to stop in our own hearts here. Is that um, in, in Canada, what, what we have now is, is we're getting softer and softer and softer because our beliefs, or at least what you say that you believe, is costing you less and less. So for him, that cost him a lot. And it made him believable in the end. It made his beliefs believable was the level of his sacrifice. But this is what happens to you and I. As we start telling our families, like, you know, you dads start telling your, your kids, like, I believe in this thing over here. And initially you do because, because that's, you know, it's a good way to live is throw the belief out there and be like, this is what I ought to be. Right? This is who I should be. This is where we're going. This is where my family needs to go. This is where you need to go. This is... If you're a, a, a boss at work, like this is where we need to go, guys. And so what we do is we start throwing our beliefs out here and saying, okay, this is what we believe. But then give it a little bit of time. And then what we actually end up doing is, is rather than every moment that we're not going in this direction here, we actually start sliding over in this direction here. So if you say that generosity is a huge thing to your family, but all of a sudden your kids or your husband, they start seeing that generosity actually maybe you're not as generous as you say that you are to the things that you say that you're generous to and so what happens is because we live in a society that's based in a lot of UK decorum can I get into like the social studies that I did not pay attention in when I was in high school now I gotta know so we come out of this thing where it becomes indecent to speak up when we see somebody's uh, words over here, start getting out of alignment with what they actually believe, because what you actually believe is the direction that you're actually headed to. So we have this decorum thing where the worst thing to a Canadian, I mean, just tell me if I'm right here, the worst thing for you at work or the worst thing with you anywhere, Ty, man, are you back from Israel? Good to see you. It's right, random. I don't get to see everybody out there, so this is kind of fun. But the worst thing to a Canadian, listen, is being perceived as mean. Yeah. 
Now, anybody hear the truth about you when you needed correction from your dad as a teenager and tell your dad that he was mean? Tell your mom, oh, you mean, you don't understand me. I don't know the world. You don't understand how the world works, mom. And mom's like, oh, sweetie. See, the truth when you're walking over here, and you should be walking over here, the truth sounds harsh and it sounds mean. But the truth is the best thing for you. So we live in a society that actually upholds this image of, I'm, I say that I believe this here, but because inherently in Canadian culture, we don't value the truth nearly as much as we ought to. We value, I value you perceiving me as being nice. And then we come to God and we're like, okay, God, but you're nice. Like, let me let you in on this. Jesus did not come to be nice. He came to save. He hung on a cross that was not nice. Nothing that happened to him was nice, but he still brought salvation to you. Through his sacrifice, through the sacrifice of God sacrificing his son, you are now not at odds with God anymore if you decide to follow Jesus. And the best thing that ever happened to you was somebody bringing you from here over to here. But this does not feel nice. When you bring your kid back from the path they're going on, this does not feel nice, but it's the best thing for you. But what happens is your sacrifice, instead of going over here, it starts going over here, and that's good. But then eventually it starts going over here. And when it goes over here, that's called hypocrisy. The difference between where I should be going and where I am going is called hypocrisy. And the more hypocrisy in your life, of course, the less authority you have. And the less people will believe you because your sacrifice is what makes your beliefs believable. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. When you, when you come to Jesus or you, or you need to add a different value system to your life, I think often we approach it in a wrong way because we approach it like this. Hi, now this is going to require a lot of sacrifice. Okay, that's true. So if Jesus died for you and then you're expected to turn around and in some regards lose your life to help somebody else find theirs, which is kind of the message of Jesus. Like I lost my life, Jesus would say, so that you could find life. Well, now he's saying to you, right, so pay that forward. Pay that forward. And, and when we realize what's happening here is, is I don't, as a preacher, have to tell you, okay, now this is going to require a lot of sacrifice. That's not really the right message. Because then you're like, oh, my goodness, now I have to start sacrificing. No, 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 no. You already are. Everybody sacrifices a lot. Just watch. Just watch. Um, if you've ever been to a, a third world country, my parents were... I, I want to say it was Ethiopia. I can't really remember. But when cell phones became affordable in third world countries, they said one year they went, no cell phones. The next year they went, everybody had cell phones. What their livelihood was going to spend the year before, now this is in a hard society. Like you live in Canada. You don't even understand what it's like when everybody doesn't have enough food to eat. This is why Venue Church is another reason we created Venue Church, so that we could feed poor people. Because whether or not you, you think that you are, everybody else in the world thinks that you're rich. Wealth is not how much you have. No, no, you're already sacrificing something. Can I just suggest that, see, the sacrifice that they were making to put food on the table, now they're sacrificing to put a cell phone in their hand. Because everybody's already sacrificing. It's my job not to get you to sacrifice. It's my job to turn the sacrifice from, ready? From to you and for you to to God and for God. 
I think that's worth. From to you to for you, because the devil gets in this weird little spot here in our lives, and he starts saying like, oh, well, you know, you need to have fun, and you need to have pleasure, and you need to have fulfillment, and it's, you're tired of being lonely, and, or you need to be making more money. Let's, you know, start ethics. What are ethics? You know, um, you need to love people more, but you need to love yourself. And we start sacrificing all of this over here, thinking that in the end it will make us healthy and happy and give us purpose. When the reality of it is, the only thing that can do that is sacrifice in this direction. God's like, if you sacrifice to me and for me, I can give you this because happiness is a switch that God has control of. You can't be healthy if you're only sacrificing to you and for you. And this is what happens, though, is you're already sacrificing, but this is how we say it. Well, I'm sacrificing to put my kids in activities. Two, I'm sacrificing because I like golfing. I'm sacrificing because I drive this vehicle. I'm sacrificing, I'm sacrificing for my family and for people. Okay, but is it ultimately to you and for you so that your kids get all the opportunities you didn't have so they'd like you more than they, you like your dad? So that your kids like you. So that your employees like you. So that people like you and think that you're nice. Sacrifice to you and sacrifice for you or sacrifice to God and for God. Because a sacrifice in this direction, Jesus will demand that you sacrifice to people. For people. Here it gets twisted though. You start telling yourself a story the further down the road you get. And that you just keep repeating the story to yourself. And that story makes you uh, uh, start being hypocritical. And then people start saying, like, no, I don't think that they're actually sacrificing in this direction. I think they're sacrificing in this direction. And then you become less believable. So if you want to be believed more, if you sacrifice in this direction, you will be believed more. It lends authority to your life. But see, sacrifice brings connection. So this way here connects you with you and your selfishness. And nobody likes that version of you. So you need to not like that version of you either. Sometimes we're like, accept me down here. I'm just going to complain about my life all the time. Like, everybody's like, nobody likes that version of you, Dad. Why do you like that version of you? Well, it's who I am. Well, maybe who you are should be over here. Oh, that's good preaching, Pastor. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Your sacrifice will bring you connection wherever you put it. So, and, and sacrifice brings loyalty. The more loyal you are to your own vein of living, to your own selfish living, so here, here's what it is. Now, I want other people to sacrifice for me so that I can be free because it's my human right to do whatever I want to whenever I want to do it. And the men and women who actually gave their lives for you are like, what? Did we redefine freedom? That's a human right now? To have nobody disagree with me ever? That's freedom? Oh, we thought that we were sacrificing so that you wouldn't have a taskmaster with a whip. That's what we thought. So that you wouldn't have a madman ruling your children. So that they wouldn't put you in prison camps. That's what we thought that we were sacrificing for. But now you take this freedom and you take it way too far and you actually make a chain out of it. Down here. And say, freedom is for me to do whatever I want to whenever I want to. And God's like... Whoa, 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 whoa. Is that freedom? The, the seeking of pleasure beyond all things? 
Is that freedom? Will you find it there? Uh, the, the word of God would say you can't. You know that. You've tried it. You get down here. You know, you make a chain and you call it freedom, but it's not freedom. Your uh, sacrifice buys your loyalty. And um, the thing about loyalty, I'm not going to get into this uh, too much today, but the thing about loyalty is this. I can come and I can prepare a sermon for you every week. The dream team can come and prepare something for you every week. That sacrifice for you to come and for the city to come, that sacrifice buys loyalty, but not what you think. It doesn't buy your loyalty to me. It buys my loyalty to you. This is why you struggle with loyalty sometimes, because you expect everybody to sacrifice to you. You think that their sacrifice to you will make you loyal to them, but it won't. The only thing that makes you loyal to the other party is when you sacrifice to the other party. That buys your loyalty this way. But it does not, I can sacrifice for my daughter, and I can sacrifice and sacrifice and sacrifice. That does not make her loyal to me. The only thing that will make her loyal to me is her sacrifice back, her 50%. And so I can sweat every sermon that I'm sweating because somebody's life depends on it and your future depends on that. I can sweat that. And you come and you can sit here and just kind of partake of it, but you won't be loyal back. You won't be loyal back to your church or loyal to your God or loyal to the people who sacrificed for you. You won't be loyal until you do your 50% back. Now, your 50% might not be talking into a mic. And we become a, a society of freeloaders who, who live in the freedom and then live in this weird freedom. And then we want more and we want more and we want more, but that will never give you purpose in your life. So the sacrifice. Um, well, pastor, how do I know what it is that I'm sacrificing to? There, follow the trail of two things. Are you ready? Follow your time and follow your money. I can look at your bank book and tell you what you're loyal to. 7-Eleven. Like, I can follow your time and, like, Netflix. Some of y'all are, like, loyal to Netflix. Like, you got a conviction. Follow your time and money. Those two things. If your time and your money lead in this direction, then that's where your loyalty actually lies. So all of your good intentions mean nothing because you follow your time and your money this way. Now, this is what we say. Well, if I would like small group more, then I would go more. Or if my kids would like youth more, then they would go more. That's not how that works. If I agreed more with them, then I would give more. No, 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 no. No, no. Your loyalty follows your sacrifice. You want to go in a better direction, two things. Take your time and your money and put it in the direction you need to go. That's it. And we get into this place where we're like, well, my heart's not there. The reason your heart's not there is because it's over here because that's where your time and money are going. For where your treasure is, the Bible says, there your heart will be also. Not where your heart is, there your treasure will be. Do you know why I love my wife and my kids? Because I invest in them. I'm invested in their... I'm invested that this thing works. Now, if I'm a dad who never shows up, just shows up for dinner and never pays for anything, like I can have fun with my kids, you know, like we can have movie nights, but then, you know, when one of them starts crying and losing their mind or they start fighting, then I'm not there. I'm not invested in there. I'm not loyal to them. No, no, no. My sacrifice buys my loyalty. 
And what our job is, if, you, if you, uh, anybody looks to you for leadership, our job is, is simply this, to bring, and this is a, a phrase I want you to remember, the, bring people to the fork in the road. Because every sermon, this is what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to bring you to the fork in the road. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. It's like when you're in the turning lane in Airdrie and none of all y'all in Airdrie know how turning lanes work. Just drive me crazy. On a solid green, get out in the intersection. You can get three cars through. And I'm the third car. I'm Get out there. I'm just going to wait behind the stop line. Then nobody goes anywhere. It's not just a green arrow, guys. Get out. In the... And then you can go. Even if the light turns right, it's okay. You've got to clear the intersection, then pastor can get home. And watch Netflix. Right? Am I right? Come on, Airdrie. Give me an amen. That's how turning lanes work. So this is how my sermons work. Like, what I really want to do is just like... That'll freak somebody out, and they're going to go and get T-boned. That's not good. So this is what my sermons are. Beep. <laughs> Move forward. You're stuck. Here. This is my sermon. Beep, beep. You're going down the wrong fork in the road. Come back. Come back. Isn't this where you wanted to go? This way gets you all of this. I'm not saying it's not going to be hard, but this way gets you purpose. This way will never get you purpose. This way gets you health and happiness. This way can't. Beep, beep. The word of God is like, no, no. But here's what I won't do. Here's what I won't do. I won't drag you down this way. That's your choice. And if Jesus doesn't take that choice away from you, then I'm not going to. This is where when, you're, when your kids are little, you actually drag them down this way because they're kids and they don't know any better. And they got to go wherever mom and dad is going. And that's good. But ultimately, I want my kids to like, beep, beep, no, 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 remember this? I have to have people in my life, beep, beep, whoa, whoa, this is to you and for you. This is to God and for God. This, this way here, I can live in a high level of sacrifice. This way here, ultimately, listen, you'll never get healthy if all you can do is sacrifice for you to get healthy. It will not be enough for God to bend that selfishness out of you. The only way God can bend it out of you is if, if you don't get it right over here, then people will not get it right. If your only motivation is to be healthy, there will be too much pressure for you to actually get healthy and actually deal with all the garbage in your life. You have to get to this place where you're like, if I don't get this right, somebody else goes down. If I don't get this right, people aren't coming off of that ridge. That's good preaching. If I don't get this right, people go down. Not just me, people go down. And I can't find my purpose until I help you find your purpose. Beep, beep. I bring you to this fork in the road. You bring your children, you bring your employees to this fork in the road. And I'm like, hey, guys, remember how attractive this is? And remember how deceptive this is? Yeah. Yeah. Like, sell it. Sell this out. Yeah. Like, this doesn't get you where you want to go. That's so good. Power. That's a powerful word. Powerful pastor. Can't believe you just preached that. It's changed my life, pastor. I know how turning lanes work now. Beep, beep. Acts chapter six, 16. We find here Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas, um, see, see, Paul was already sacrificing a lot. But he was sacrificing it here. So when, when Jesus, you know, knocks him over and converts him, when you meet Jesus, everything changes. That's what Venue Church is created for. Yeah. Not a system of beliefs, No. Do I believe in my wife? Yes. That's not why we're married. That's not, 
how relationships work. I have a relationship with her. I met her. I deepen a relationship with her. I learn how to talk to her. She learns how to talk to me. Short, short sentences. To the point. <laughs> just answer my questions, Erin. I just, my questions. No, I, not, all, not everybody else's questions. I don't care about their questions. Just my question. And then we can do the other thing. And it's a relationship. That's good. <laughs> Trying to create a little peer pressure here. <laughs> I was so going to be in trouble when she listens to this. What? Somebody back me up. Still powerful, everybody. Still powerful. So what happens is there's a slave girl in the city that they're in. And Paul and Silas see that this slave girl, see, the devil kind of owns a piece of her because she actually can tell people's uh, fortunes. She can tell them the future of what's coming. Now, you think to yourself, isn't God the only one who can do that? Yes, God can do that. But, but um, this might come as a complete shock to you, but you are really, really predictable to the devil. Like, he knows how you think. He's got your number. He's seen millions of you. Oh, I'm, but I'm special. Yes, and completely predictable. <laughs> completely predictable. So she can actually tell the future in some regard. And so her masters, now being a slave girl back then is not fun. Okay, and so she's following Paul and Silas around, and, and she's the main uh, source of income to her masters. And she's following them around and so irritating Paul and Silas that Paul one day just gets fed up because Paul can't stand watching another person be in chains if they don't have to be in chains. So he brings her to the fork in the road, and he actually casts the, cast the devil out of her. I'm not going to go back into that whole thing. And to set her free. Listen, watch what it does to Paul's personal freedom. Because you will have to sacrifice your personal freedom for somebody else to get free. That is Christianity. Your personal freedom to watch Netflix all day. No, that is actually Christianity. To sacrifice your personal freedom so that others might actually have freedom forever. And it says, her master's hope of wealth were now shattered, so they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. The whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews, they shouted to the city officials. They are teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. Well, that's interesting. Illegal for us Romans to practice? What are you talking about? See, they thought that they were just Jews, but, but Paul and Silas, this was a hugely racist um, day. Paul and Silas were actually Roman citizens. Now, in the day, there was like Roman citizens and then everybody else. Roman citizens were untouchable. But watch, watch. Watch what they do. They, they, a mob quickly formed uh, against Paul and Silas. The city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. At any time, they could have given up their personal freedom, and the whole thing stopped, because you could not touch a Roman citizen. You could not without a fair trial. They were untouchable, but they kept that part quiet. There will be times when Jesus will be like, don't defend yourself. There's something else at play here. No, don't do this for yourself. I know that this feels unjust to you, and it is, but there's a justice of God that I have to accomplish, and it can only be accomplished if you give up something that's personal sacrifice. And so, um, so the jailer put them in the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in stocks. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were whining and complaining that it snowed out. <laughs> they, were, um, they were praying and singing hymns to God at midnight, and all the other prisoners were listening. They've been beaten with rods. They're locked up. They can't move. I mean, the flies are on them. And they're down here at midnight. And it says the other prisoners were listening. 
they had a captive audience. I wrote that down. <laughs> Listen, sometimes in your sacrifice, you have to realize that other people are in chains around you too. And singing a song at midnight when you're not feeling great, when you sing in the storm, it never goes unheard. If you can sing in a storm, it never goes. They didn't sing because they were feeling it. They sang because it was a sacrifice to the Lord their God. They were actually happy that they could. They weren't just thinking about themselves after being beaten. They were thinking about the other people that were in more chains than just physical chains. Because physical chains are about the least amount of chains that the devil wants you in. And suddenly there was a massive earthquake. I like that they were, they were singing before they knew that, that there was going to be an earthquake. And sometimes you're in the middle and you don't know that there's going to be an earthquake and you got to sing anyways. Because we'll be like, if we know an earthquake is coming, maybe we'll sing. But it's not transactional like that. Sometimes you just got to sing because you got to sing and it's the right thing to do when you're in the middle of a hard time. And suddenly there was a massive earthquake. The prison was shaken to its foundations and all the doors immediately flew open. The chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. There's more at stake than just your hardship and your suffering right now. It seems like a lot, but there's more suffering around you that Jesus wants to heal and fix. But Paul shouted to him, stop, don't kill yourself. We are all here. So the first thing that happens is his, his chains get broken off. And the first thing that happens is he doesn't, he doesn't run out. He runs to the next cell. And you've got to remember, this guy's like, he's got an old man body because he's like been brutalized. His life has been very hard. He's just about been killed X number of times. And he takes this old, beaten up, bruised body and he runs to the next cell. And he's like, stay. And they're like... And he runs to the next one, he runs to the next one, and runs to the next one. He's like, stay, you gotta stay, you gotta stay, you gotta stay, you gotta stay. It's not just about you. Because the jailer was gonna kill himself. And he says to the jailer, stop, stop, stop. He says this, we're not leaving a man behind this place, even if it's the one who put us in chains. Not even that person. I could be angry, but I'm not, I forgave. Even that person. We're not gonna leave that person behind, not if we can help it. The jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Verse 33, even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. There's that, uh, yeah, come on up, guys. There's that scripture, or that scripture. I was just preaching the scripture. There's that uh, sentence in Hacksaw Ridge that said this, Remember, his commanding officer says, most of these men don't believe the same way you do, but they believe so much in how much you believe. Can I ask you, how much do you believe? I can tell by your sacrifice. Your kids can tell by your sacrifice. Are you sacrificing 
here or are you sacrificing here? It's time to pull the sacrifice back and be like, what I've allocated here needs to go over here now. Because here's the thing. You say to yourself, I don't feel connected to God. Follow your time and resources. Are they in the house of God? Are they in serving people? Are they in serving yourself ultimately? Follow your time and resources. Take the people around you, they believe in how much you believe in something and they believe in how much you believe in something by watching your sacrifice. And you can actually take your sacrifice and change your heart by putting it where it belongs. And he says this, and they're not going up there without you. Meaning if you don't go with us, we're not, and there's somebody in your life right now. This is who the sacrifice needs to be for. There's somebody in your life right now that is not going to reach their destiny if you won't sacrifice and pull it back to the fork in the road and walk down this way. Let your thoughts be on the person around you who needs you like the thoughts of our soldiers were with you. The people to come that you might live in freedom. Well, there's somebody who needs to live in freedom that if you won't sacrifice over here, they'll never be able to get there. Your sacrifice is the seed for them to harvest. You have harvested a seed of sacrifice from the Son of the living God who brought you back to God, his heavenly Father. You live in the harvest of that that you paid nothing for. Would you now pay it forward to somebody else? Would you now pay it forward to the house of God? Would you now pay it forward to God's ultimate work in our city here? God's ultimate work in your neighbor's hearts and in your children's hearts and in your... Would you pay it forward, the sacrifice? Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father... This Paul and Silas thing, one crazy night of sacrifice and you saved a man's life and you saved the prisoner's lives and the man's entire family eventually got baptized, entire family came to Christ. One crazy night of sacrifice where people did something crazy when they should have been hurt and they should have been down and out and they were not. They picked themselves up from the inside and said, Father, you are worthy to be praised even in the suffering and even in the pain. You are worthy because we are glad to give this sacrifice because it's not just about us. There's more that need to be free. I pray, Father, that we would be inspired by the sacrifice of our men and women, inspired to sacrifice uh, what we are already sacrificing, but to turn the direction of the sacrifice and make it count for all of eternity, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, we hope you enjoyed this inspirational message from Pastor Corey Cope. If you'd like to partner with us, please go to venuechurch.ca slash give. Yeah, because a life saved is worth everything.